plenty of time to continue chatting, continuing welcoming people, just giving love after the service over a fantastic coffee. Might recommend cold drink today. Um, why don't we just, uh, we'll just start in prayer. Um, I might not pray for a short sleeve white shirt and blue <laughs> denim jacket. Uh, we'll just pray, uh, Heavenly Father, we just pray that you uh, send your spirit over us today, Lord. Open our ears, open our hearts to the message that you want to speak into us. Speak over our circumstances, Lord. Reassure us that you are with us, you will not leave us. And that everything you have set in motion since the beginning of time is to grow us, to redeem us and to save us back into relationship with you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Um, nine days from Christmas, team. Um, so the season is well and truly upon us. We've got uh, Christmas parties, we've got holiday planning, present buying, we've got Michael Bublé blasting out of every store speaker in the known universe. Right, you know that the season is upon us. And Mariah Carey. Um, so look, I'm really excited to share today a little bit about the reason for the season uh, and focus on the good news. Um, that's the whole message of Christianity is the good news. And Christmas in particular really focuses in on that message because the, the first holy night, the, the act of Christ coming to this world, what we do each year is about remembering an ancient promise being fulfilled. Uh, it's that one day God would send and did send a Messiah to earth to save and redeem humankind. And look, I know that at this time of year in particular, um, for some people it might not seem like a joyous time. It might not always seem like this is a message of good news. Um, some people might feel completely worn down by the year. Um, some people not necessarily spending it with the, the loved ones that they want to be with. Uh, and for some, it's reinforcing a, a, an unhappy financial reality. That's why today I really wanted to focus on that message of good news through the lens of promises fulfilled. Um, that's the reassurance that, that comes from Christ. Because I think regardless of where you're at right now, whether you are just overjoyed about the season whether you are overworked or whether you are, whether you're just plain over it right now. <laughs> All right, the good news about redemption and about salvation through Christ's sacrifice on the cross is testament to God fulfilling what he promises. And he has a promise and an anointing over every single person's life here today. And because we are now redeemed and we are saved beings in Christ, we too can declare what Isaiah did in, in chapter 61. He said, the sovereign Lord has filled me with his spirit. He has chosen me and sent me to bring the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to announce release to captives and freedom to those in prison. That is the verse that Jesus truth bombs on the Pharisees in Luke chapter 4. Okay, He simply says, today, this verse, that has been fulfilled in your hearing. My presence on earth is about the Spirit of the Lord coming down to save mankind. And he's saying that the, the good news behind this arrival is that when Christ comes, 
he will begin to undo the damage that sin has wrought on this world. Because sin brings grief. It brings nothing productive. It brings poverty. It brings addiction. The good news is that the arrival of Christ some 2,000 years ago and in our lives, the moment we make the decision to commit to following Christ, that marks that promise being fulfilled. It is the, it is the literal turning point for the world, for your world, when you accept him and about turning back towards a life of abundance and joy and freedom and compassion. See, the, the actual word gospel, it's an English-ish translation of the of evangelion, um, which sort of describes a, it's the present you get with good news. It's the present of good tidings. So it's no mistake that the New Testament writers, and, and Paul in particular, they use the word gospel to describe the life of Jesus. They're literally trying to convey this message that Jesus himself is the gift of good news from God. And that that gift means it's there to commemorate that we will not be separated from him forever. That there will come a time when we are joined back in perfect harmony. And that's important, okay? Because the Gospels aren't meant to just be some sort of you know, Wikipedia biography of Jesus' life. It's not some sort of instruction guide. It's meant to reinforce that the good news of redemption is here. That salvation has nothing at all to do with our works, but everything to do with God's fulfilment of his promises. Because it's by God's promised grace alone that we receive the gift of Jesus. So, despite being nine days out from Christmas... Uh, rather than look at the nativity scenes and uh, the, some of the more traditional Christmas messages, um, I actually want to go back to the earlier references to this gift of good news. Um, I want to go back to Isaiah that we looked at earlier on. Isaiah was you know, writing some 700-odd years before the birth of Christ, and he was reminding people about what God's promises were. Isaiah was the, the first of the major prophets, and and you may know that in the Old Testament, um, Israel was ruled by kings and judges and prophets and priests. Um, Isaiah wrote a lot of what is known as the Messianic prophecies. Right? It's the clearest, it's the early descriptions that say, this ark you're on, this, this journey the people of Israel have been progressing through Egypt and through the wilderness, it's coming to a point where the Messiah will come and he will redeem mankind. And as we saw in that verse from Luke, Isaiah is what Jesus himself pointed back to to say, this is what I'm here for. I was born in fulfilment of this prophecy. But to be fair, Isaiah was not a very pleasant guy to get along with. All right? If you read it, it's a, he had strong opinions on almost everything. Um, but he, he was at a time when Israel had basically been living this cycle of redemption for hundreds of years. Right, they, they were faithful, they enjoyed the good times too much, they forgot all those hardships, they fell back into sin, into despair, they had to cry out to God to come and deliver them. And he did, because he was faithful and they would be redeemed and faithful again and the whole cycle would start. 
And this went on for hundreds and hundreds of years across a whole variety of kings and and priests uh, of Israel. In the time of Isaiah, we had some seriously powerful neighbours threatening Israel. And the king at the time, Ahaz, um, he wanted to sign a peace treaty. He said, look, the the world is just against me. I, I can't risk my people anymore. I'll sign this treaty. And that would have meant worshipping these foreign gods. And Isaiah was trying like buggery to remind them that God is faithful, that he will come through. Don't give in on this. And he said that you remain faithful if, if you remember these three things that, that Isaiah talks about. And the first part, which is always the hardest part, is the good news will take time. Right? In Isaiah chapter 7, uh, he writes... Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, that is, God with us. And he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. So Isaiah is saying that God will literally give the gift of himself to be with us. He says the sign will be a a young woman will give birth to what seems like a generic child who will eat curds and honey, you know, a generic child's food, um, but will grow and will develop in time into the means of eternal salvation. This has become the Christmas message, reflecting that at at long last the Saviour has been born. When you look at this, Isaiah's promise isn't that Boulders will fall from heaven, although they can and they have. He's saying that, not saying that a warrior king will arrive at, at 3 p.m. on this date with the armies of heaven and will conquer all sin forever. They could. That's not what God has promised. He said that a child will be born and he will demonstrate what it means to love, what it means to choose righteousness at every step despite living in a fallen world. And he will heal the brokenhearted. He will teach by example to set us back on a a course towards salvation. And as we know, growing up, it takes time. There are just so many things you think you need to know. And at every point in your life, you look back five years earlier and go, I had no idea what was coming. Growing up, takes time it takes experience and reflection and we all experience the struggles of a fallen world but there are some who learn from those experiences there are some who use it to strengthen them in their faith and say yes at every turn even though it was hard I can see how God was growing me here and there are some who either refuse to learn or who forget about what God has done in their lives the good news that Isaiah is saying here, and the good news of the Gospels is that for those who learn, for those who remember and reflect on what God has done, they will become these these living ambassadors of God's power on earth with the power to transform this world, to heal the broken and to free the captives. So maybe the, the first part is more like the terms and conditions, right? It's yes... There's good things coming, um, but they'll take time. Don't lose, don't lose hope. God has promised redemption. He's promised it at every point in the Bible, and he's promised it for us today. He keeps giving us reminders, saying, I'm with you. 
I'm still walking there. It'll take time. But he delivers on what he promises. And he's continuing to deliver today. So remember Isaiah, when he he wrote this verse, it was some 700 years before that first holy night, prophesying the arrival of the gift of good news. Don't you lose hope if it takes two years for God to move the pieces into place for your life. It's coming, it'll take time. But so, if the first part of the good news is that it will take time, the second and the best part is that when it comes, it will unbelievably change you in that encounter with Christ. So let's jump forward a bit to to another part in Isaiah, another great messianic prophecy uh, in chapter 53. He writes there that, but he was wounded, he was literally pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes we are healed. Now, for someone who's writing this 700 years in advance, this is remarkably prophetic against what exactly happened to Christ. All right, in the Old Testament times, the, the best you could hope for um, in terms of escaping judgment was a lighter sentence. There, there was no complete atonement. There, at every point, sacrifices had to be made. The good news is that in the gift of Christ, he completely wiped the slate clean. And not just once, but forevermore for us. So God knew that for his law and for his promise to be true, there had to be this perfect sacrifice of atonement. Christ Christ didn't come to buy five good guy points for everyone, to, to give a bit of mitigation against what had happened. He came to wipe slate the clean and through his stripes for us to be healed. I've shared part of my testimony before. I I was raised a a very traditional Catholic uh, up in Queensland at a a college administered administered by French missionaries. Um, Part of our our daily mass was still in Latin. Um, Our religious education classes were more part of the history curriculum than anything else. You'd you'd draw maps of the Holy Land, you'd be quizzed on the Judaic King's chronology. Um, you know, we were raised believing that the gospel was more than just truth and fact. Um, it, it permeated every aspect of your life as a kid. Um, I was just reflecting, I had, um, there was one uh, school rugby coach, Father Pat, who, um, he enticed me to play second row by quoting scripture at me. Uh, I'm not going to try and do his, his, uh, his Irish accent, but so, you know, Jesus was very explicit, Mr. Watkin. Uh, he wants us to be in union with the Father. Uh, so, uh, abandon ye books and come with me. I will teach you to catch men from the wings. Uh, it permeated every part of our lives. All right, we had Mass daily and Confession weekly. Um, we were taught that Christ died for our sins. But in that context, that, that sacrifice meant that we owed God for putting him through that trauma and through that pain and it was very much emphasised that you know at every stage of our lives we were and this is speaking to an all boys school that you know you were one nudie mag away from 
fire and brimstone forevermore. You know, it was this sword hanging over your head. So despite the fact that we carried uh, the, the Good News Bible, and you remember that it was a rainbow Good News Bible, took around, um, it didn't feel much like good news at the time. All right? it, it, it did feel like this imminent judgment that was going to come and, and uh, fall upon you. But as I went through my own journey of you know, eating the curds and honey and learning about the world and growing through those experiences, um, I, I came to learn and to discover that what Jesus did on the cross, what God did by sending Christ to earth, is so far above anything I could possibly comprehend, something I could possibly um, buy or bargain or ask, uh, that if I felt perpetually guilty, that that wasn't honouring God, that wasn't honouring the sacrifice that his son had made on the cross, Now, that nothing I could do could ever repay him for that transformation that I received when I really encountered him. So my understanding of the good news shifted from gee, thanks, you know, I'll I'll go into an hour of very serious prayer every day for the rest of my life, to, wow, that has transformed every part of my life. I'm serving out of love and out of overjoyment to what God has done for me. Because the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, is that it should change your complete worldview when you encounter him. You're... Encountering Christ is so, it's hard to explain to people who haven't had that that first encounter yet. It is so completely and unbelievably transformative. Whether or not you recognise it at the time, you go from feeling like this imposter who's wearing a mask and waiting to be found out to being someone who is free, someone who is perfectly and completely and gloriously Come on, that is good news. And the final promise that that God made to us through Isaiah about the good news is is in chapter 58. Um, It's that it will be everlasting. It will take time, it will be fundamentally transformative, and it will be eternal. Verse 11 in chapter 58 says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. I wonder if he's thinking about an Australian summer there. And will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now, there are, there are lots of different views around salvation, um, whether if you're saved once, you're saved forever, um, whether it can be revoked. Um, It's called soteriology. If you're really interested, um, have a chat to Ryan, our our resident teacher. Um, If you've got a spare week or eight, um, he'll go through it. I'm not going to go into that today. Uh, What I do want to emphasise from from verse 11 here is this link back to God's promise. The Lord will guide you always. So no matter where you are in your walk right now, whether you've been a devout and humble servant since the day you took your first step, um, or whether you're in a, a really rough patch right now, and whether you've, you've got some doubts, um, or whether today is simply the very first time you have ever heard the idea of good and eternal news, 
God is working in your life. That's the good news. He's been working since before time began to bring each and every single one of us here today. Now, he's putting these, these pieces into play that you might not see yet. He's putting people into your orbit that you have a coffee with and these little conversation tidbits that start your mind thinking and growing and transforming. Throughout the whole cycle of sin and redemption, about this whole journey and this prophecy that Isaiah made about the good news, God never abandoned his people, despite how they may have felt at the time. We talk about it at C3 about knowing Jesus, finding community and discovering purpose. That is about doing life together. That is about keeping us alert to his presence, to what he's doing in our lives, to, to having uh, iron sharpening iron in our own lives, to making space for him to come in and to touch us and to speak to us. When he makes a promise, he delivers. If you can't see it yet, that doesn't mean it's not happening. So in other words... Don't demand God work to your timings, right? You might have goals for yourself for 2019, and that's great. He has plans for you for eternity. If you faithfully follow him, I so sincerely believe this and want you to walk away this today knowing that if you faithfully follow him, he will ensure your needs are met. I say they're, they're needs, not wants. Now, he's, he's interested in those too, but... Uh, he is genuinely this true and proper parent to us. Um, as much as we might want you know, little treats, at some point someone has to say, Joshua, stop buying so much chocolate. You're killing our grocery budget. At some point, someone steps in. He's looking after our needs. The Lord will guide you always. That is an incredible promise. Right? It's one he has kept throughout history. And it is a powerful promise. It is one which should give us confidence and should give us courage to go out into the world. And it is a good promise. Whenever we feel, you know, and the world does get us down, whenever we feel inadequate or insufficient or just overwhelmed, we can turn to the one who is perfectly sufficient for all things and know that he is near. Emmanuel, God is with us. Because, team, the good news is this, that God is with us, that God fulfills his promise, that God is faithfully and determinedly and perfectly working all things throughout all time and all space to bring you here today, to be reminded that he loves you perfectly and eternally, that he has not abandoned you and that he never will. That God declared to Isaiah that the spirit of the Lord would come upon him, that the spirit of the Lord would heal the hurt, would free the captives, would loose the slaves, and that that saviour was born, lived, died, rose again, reigns forevermore, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. Why don't we stand and pray?
heavenly King. I thank you for your mighty and redeeming hand. When I think about what you promised, what you endured in order to save me, Lord, I want to shout. I want to cry out in joy and in celebration. Lord, you love me so much and I'm so grateful for that love. I feel no guilt. Lord, release the joy in us that's been crushed by pride, by wrong priorities, by bad decisions. Lord, tear down the strongholds in our lives, the addictions that have held us captive for far too long. Lord, extinguish the flames of fear that still linger in our hearts. Give us the peace that transcends understanding. Remind us again of the good news. Church, if you're in a place today where it doesn't feel like such good news, then I really want to pray for you after this service and just remind you of how powerful and how deliberate God's promises are over your life. Lord God, show us again the beauty of that holy night so many centuries ago when the Spirit was made flesh on earth. Lord, remind us again of the good news of your Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks, Pastor Ward. Thanks, Josh.